Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. Welcome to episode 109 of a Love Food Podcast. I'm Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. If you're new to the Love Food Podcast, well, welcome. I'm so glad you found us. And if you're not new, well, you probably have heard me talk about weight cycling a lot on this podcast. What is weight cycling? Well, A lot of people call that yo-yo dieting, and it's probably something you've experienced many times, but probably blamed yourself for. It's the experience where someone loses weight from dieting, yet over time, that weight goes back up. And for a third to two-thirds of you, it ends up being higher than it was before that. And then the cycle goes on and on again because a person then will go on another diet thinking they just didn't do it right or try hard enough and lose the weight again, and then regain the weight again, and sometimes more. And it's kind of like rinse and repeat. It happens over and over and over and over again. That is weight cycling. Weight cycling is something that's associated with poor health outcomes, like high insulin levels, high triglycerides, high cholesterol. And you probably are thinking, well, that's what I thought higher weight was is connected to. When in reality, for a lot of people, weight cycling and also the negative health effects of weight stigma can explain any of the negative side effects associated with higher body size. I bring up weight cycling because this week's letter writer has finally come to this place after many years of weight cycling to not do that anymore. Her weight's kind of stayed stable and that has its perks, yet there's this experience where she's having a hard time feeling okay in her skin because her weight is higher than she really wants it to be. And so we explore solutions with Haley Goodrich. She's a dietitian who is so insightful on this issue, and I can't wait for you to hear about what she has to say. Before we get to this episode's letter, a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by my PCOS and Food Peace course, If you experience PCOS, you probably have experienced weight cycling. It's a really common co-occurrence with the condition. And I have a feeling you blamed yourself for that yo-yo dieting experience, but it's not your fault. It's that diets don't work. They don't work for anyone, especially those of you with PCOS. There is a way to make peace with food and promote health, and I want to show you how. I will be opening up enrollment again for my PCOS and Food Peace course in April. 
The course is 12 downloadable digital modules that you can do at your own pace. It's the 12-step system that I've taken many, many clients through individually. And now you can do them on your own schedule at your own pace in your own like comfort of your own home. So you can get on the wait list by going to PCOSandfoodpeace.com. If you enjoy today's episode of the Love Food Podcast, I would really, really appreciate a rating and review. You can get to it by clicking on the artwork if you're listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and just scroll down, you'll get access to leaving a rating review. You can also look at the show notes and the second paragraph down, you will see a little hyperlink that says subscribe here or leave a rating and review in seconds. And it literally just takes seconds. By doing this really kind step, it helps other people find the show. So I appreciate it in advance. All right, enough of that. Let's get to this episode's letter. Dear Food, I have had another roller coaster year with you, but my weight has stayed the same over these last five years or so. I lose the same 10 pounds over and over, but always come back to this weight. I still struggle with choices of you daily and eat too much of you, which I think contributes to my overweight body. I still use you to ease stress, and even though I don't feel well when I overindulge, I continue to eat too much of you. I am not binging anymore as I did many years ago, and I exercise regularly. For my 61 years, I am in better shape than when I was heavier or thinner. I still struggle with finding clothes I feel comfortable in and wish for a size 14 or 12, not an 18 that I wear now. I can plan meals and cook you pretty well, but making meals for just me is not appealing, and it's much easier to choose prepackaged you and not so healthy versions of you. This year, I read the intuitive eating book and working through the workbook. I know my aches and pains would be less with a smaller body and I would have more energy. The doctors have told me repeatedly to drop 20 to 30 pounds and my upcoming knee surgery concerns me at this weight. Anyway, I seem to be stuck here and not sure how to work with you so I can lower my weight. I don't have visions anymore of being a supermodel or a size nine, just being able to buy clothes easier and feel better in what I wear and how I look in the mirror and control quantities of you. Not watching calories anymore or tracking food, but eating just enough. Anyway, I know I need you to stay alive, so this relationship is lifelong. Love, frustrated with body size. Hey there, frustrated with body size. Thank you so much for your note. It's a really important note, and I'm excited to explore some solutions with you. We are lucky enough to get a chance to speak with Haley Goodrich. She's a fellow dietitian, and I think she's going to have some insight for us. So let's give her a call. Hello, Julie. Hey, Haley. It's nice to talk to you. This is Julie Duffy Dillon. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. I'm, it's really good to hear from you. I know. I've, I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. I feel like I've kind of social media stalked you. So I feel like I already know you, but I'm so glad to actually chat with you and you know dive into this letter. Did you get a chance to read it? 
I did get a chance to read it, and I'm really excited to discuss it with you. Yeah. You know, there's something about this letter that um, I don't know. Part of it, I'm like, wow, I've heard a very similar experience before. Have you ever worked with anybody who's experienced this? Yes. It sounds very, very familiar, kind of like a, a broken record almost. There's And there's different pieces of this sure. letter that sound really familiar. I, I bet you feel the same mm-hmm. um, having worked with clients for so long. Right. Exactly. So when you were reading it, what was your general impression about what this letter writer is experiencing? Mm. I, I started with just a ton of compassion. As you were saying, as you were just saying, it is something I hear pretty frequently in my office. And, um, it sounds like this person has done a lot of work as far as, um, knowing that they want to get away from the diet roller coaster. They have awareness, I guess, in other words, of kind of where they're at, but they're at the, the frustrating place where um, they have the awareness, but maybe not all of the tools or are unaware of parts of them that might still be lingering in diet behaviors or rules. So it, it sounded to me like there's a disconnect still from their body, from their natural rhythm. Um, you, you know, the, the words that stuck out to me that kind of, pushed me in that direction were words like controlling, watching calories, tracking. What what are your thoughts on that? You know, I agree. And part of what makes this letter so, um, why, I, why I feel so much compassion makes it familiar and so tough is I feel like she's at this place where she's, you know, been at diet rock bottom, um, moved away from diets, calmed kind of that relationship with food. It's not as chaotic. Yet the world has not caught up with her yet. You know, the world is still like doing that stupid Mm -hmm. like diet game and thinking that diets are going to work. And so there's this like residual kind of push. Well, maybe I need to do it better. I need to control it more. I need to be perfect. And if I just did it right, then it would... I would have lost weight or something like that. And I feel like it's not necessarily because she's doing it wrong. It's just that like the world isn't fixed yet. And so it's kind of keeps her pushed in that kind of um, stuck spot. And I know for my clients and I, there's like no, I don't know, no easy solution here because really it's part of it is fat phobia and, and her like experiencing the oppression of not being in the size that the world says she should be. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm wondering how much support she currently has. Does she have um, a clinician or a therapist, a, a dietitian, somebody working with her um, who understands a paradigm like health at every size? Because to your point, she's living in a world that, that you know, hasn't quite caught up yet. And it takes a lot of support in the beginning. I mean, weekly. It can, you know, I even have clients that describe to me in my office that, um, everything makes sense in here when I'm talking with you. And then when I go out in the world, um, that's where they start to get confused or lost. And we're seeing a little bit of that pressure from wellness culture, specifically in the part of the letter where she talks about meeting with her doctor and the push she's feeling there. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. You know, one of the things that, um, brought me to even wanting to do this love food podcast was so many clients said the same thing to me. They said, you know, sitting here in this office, it, it's resonating. It feels clear. I feel empowered. I'm ready to advocate. But then when they open the door and go into the world, 
it's like they need that kind of connection again and again. And so I, I was like, well, let's make this podcast where we can record these conversations so people can have access to them. And it's just one way to kind of get that information in a person's ears. And, um, you know, I really wish the world would hurry up and get fixed though. But, you know, one of the things I always ask my guests, you know, what are the what are the first few steps? And one of the things that you brought up was like, is she working with a clinician? And I know that this like such an important part of a person's relationship with food and thriving in a world that may not empower them naturally, you know, mm-hmm. is to like have a team, have a, a dietitian. And I always, in our show notes, I always put a link to eating disorder dietitians and making sure you connect with a dietitian that also is using a health at every size approach so they can have some more tools, you know, and have an extra hour each week where they are getting the support they need. And besides having um, some members on the team, are, what are other steps that you would recommend to someone like this letter writer? I have a, a couple ideas, but if I were maybe myself seeing this client or when I first read through the letter, a couple questions popped up for me and I would like to share those. Maybe yeah. it could at least get the wheels turning. Um, some thoughts that popped up just from some of the language used around food were, is this person getting enough food consistently throughout the day? Um, are they receiving satisfaction from the food choices that they're eating? Because without the satisfaction piece, and by that I mean truly liking and loving what they're eating and getting joy from it, um, just being full, it doesn't stop us from continuing to look for more food or continuing to eat. Um, you know, and have they made peace with all foods yet? These are, um, fundamental principles of the, the intuitive eating paradigm. And it it sounds to me like these are some of the places I would be really curious around for this specific person. Me too. Yeah. Certainly if she's feeling the pressure to be smaller, um, Mm. and I, I picked up on some of that language too. And, you know, part of what frustrates me with, um, Actually, let me back up a little bit. I'm so happy that intuitive eating has become more mainstream. But part of the frustration for me is that a lot of um, people just stick with the hunger fullness side of intuitive eating and think that's all of it. Yeah. And it's only two of the 10 principles. And one of them that you brought up, I think, is so important, like satisfaction. And I would even say like pleasure with food too is so important in order to make sure like you're getting what like what you need out of food besides just like calories, but just what you need out of food. And if a person's like afraid that they're not eating the right amounts or they're doing, you know, a good or bad kind of experience of food, I feel like that is on the other side of the continuum. <laughs> like there's not, it's going to be hard to have pleasure with food when we're thinking about it in that way, you know? Absolutely. And I mean, the person even describes that they're eating meals that just are not appealing at all, or even, um, that they, you know, feel that the version of the food that they're choosing isn't quote unquote healthy, or I think she says not so healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would want to dive in there a lot deeper with this particular person as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's a Mm -hmm. good point. I completely forgot about that part too. Um, you know, and I, I feel like a lot of people just assume, well, I'm, I'm doing intuitive eating, so it's done, you know, cause again, Mm -hmm. the hunger fullness part of it, but there's so much more to it. And, you know, if, if a person does dive into that part of it, 
you know, what do you feel like could be different for her if she did dig into those sides with, especially as it relates to how she's experiencing her body? Mm, I think so specifically with even just getting connected to her natural rhythm of eating, which as you mentioned a couple of times, hunger and fullness is a tiny part of that. But, but I think, you know, she mentions a couple of times here, um, feeling like she's overindulging or continuing to eat too much. And, um, I'm wondering if that, what she's viewing as too much food, you know, because I think again, from a, a push from our wellness culture or society, um, I find that often most of my clients are actually under eating and they are just flabbergasted when I, when I share with them, um, what a day of food could look like that might be closer to meeting their needs. So it could be that their, her body is thinking like, I don't know if there's going to be enough food available consistently. Yeah. yeah. Um, I agree. And, yeah. Mm, yeah. That's probably a big piece of this is what, what is this person's view of what foods are quote unquote healthy and how much should I be eating? Sounds like there's a lot of maybe even shame or, or shame from a, a time in their life that they were engaging in more disordered eating behaviors kind of wrapped up in some of this language. Yeah. You know, I think too, when a person's in that place experiencing food like you were describing, I think about how that circles round to our body image and, mm-hmm. you know, and how that would provoke it to feel like a more of a disconnect. And there's something about connecting to all the different parts of intuitive eating and having true permission to eat whatever we're wanting, you know, and whatever we're wanting, whatever we're needing and having true unconditional permission to eat, how that really serves us to enhance our own body image and trusting our body. And I don't know, kind of having this mutual kind of um, respect. And so as she's moving forward and maybe like asking those questions that you were talking about and diving into them more, that's something that will maybe, I mean, I'm like fingers crossed here, help to move away from that frustration with her body size. And, um, you know, like she was saying earlier, finally, she's not going through all this weight cycling. So there, I feel like there's probably something to that. You know, it does sound like she still has restriction going on, but it also sounds like her body has settled in a way that is um, not what she wanted but probably more what her body wants to weigh, you know? And that's one of the first questions I always ask clients is not necessarily, you know, we don't, I don't necessarily want to do like an ideal body weight or anything like that. But one of the first questions I like to ask is like, what do you think your body wants to weigh? And it sounds like this is where her body for right now wants to weigh, you know? And if she could connect to the pleasure that comes from eating and permission that comes with, um, or giving herself permission to have that pleasure, I have a feeling it would enhance that that body image. Absolutely, and then I couldn't agree more with that. But I and I think the other piece to this is kind of the the end part of that letter where maybe she is trying to do some of this body image work, but she's going to this provider who is repeatedly telling her that she needs to be different. So maybe she's trying to fight some of these thoughts in her in her head or make peace or find acceptance. And then, you know, she's in a lot of pain from her knees and a, a provider, um, who seemingly is a voice of authority is continuing to tell her that her size is wrong, is not okay. That could be making her pain worse. And so I think that is a huge piece to this. Yeah. Yeah. What a crappy thing for a provider to do. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. um, 
what what do you feel about like the knee replacement in size? Like what are you seeing in the literature? Yeah. So I think this is a classic case of um, weight stigma from a from a provider. As we know, common aches and pains can um, ail any any human at any size for any reason. And it often though goes straight to, to being blamed on on weight. Um, and so I actually, you know, just did a little digging after reading this and found a study that that actually Fiona Willer um, posted about, I believe, on her social media channels. And um, it was about knee replacement surgery. And the whole kind of, I guess, to sum up the study is we don't currently have any medical justification for um, weight bias discrimination in knee replacement surgery. So, um, and I think it was also looking, there was also one for total hips too, hip replacement surgery. Those are both commonly, or at least I commonly see in my office where a physician is usually really pushing for a weight loss before those. Actually, uh, intentional weight loss before a surgery, like a quick weight loss intentionally right before surgery just to meet a weight mark can increase the risk of surgical site infection. Um, possibly because of, you know, like a reduced immune response or, or even malnutrition, depending what the person's had to do, what type of restriction to get to that weight that was, you know, quote unquote, ideal for the provider. Um, but in this specific study, and we can link to it if it's okay with you in the, the show notes. Of course. Yes. In, in this study, they compared smaller bodies, um, average being, and I'm going to use BMI, even though I'm not a fan of BMI, um, another conversation for another day, but <laughs> in the study they use BMI. So it, it compared smaller bodies, um, average BMI of 27 versus larger bodies, average BMI of 45. And what they found, the findings in this study are, um, so it's broken up into categories, but short-term function of the total knee replacement, no difference between the BMI sizes, long-term function, no difference. Surgical revisions, um, actually fewer for larger bodied people. The life of the implant was actually longer in larger bodied people. And functional improvement with surgery was the same for both BMI categories, mm -hmm. average categories. Um, so I thought that was actually extremely interesting. Extremely interesting. You know, what is it about doctors giving that... I don't know. I don't know. It's such a horrible like malpractice to say, well, before I replace your knee, I want you to lose some weight. And of course, that person's going to use some kind of fad diet or quick fix because they are in so much pain. And they're like, oh my gosh, I got to get this knee replacement, but I need to lose weight really quick first. Um, why, do, why do you think that's, this happens, you know? Yeah, it's that stigma. It's the, it's the weight bias that is just we're just our medical system is dripping with, um, and actually, you know, I, I can't put it all on the physicians. It's, it's of course their education and training, um, but you have to think about our our insurance system paying for these, yeah. <laughs> paying for these surgeries. Um, they're not going to pay for it in certain BMI people. So the doctors are trying. Also, it's a money thing, right? It just like all of diet culture. It's all a money thing as well. Yeah. I want to boil it down to it. That's what yeah. it's all about. Exactly. Oh, so for this letter writer to keep in mind that, you know, by allowing her body to be where it wants to be, it's actually helping her body then to have a higher likelihood of 
uh, a better knee replacement experience, you know, or, you know, having um, better outcomes if you relay it to the research that we're finding. So yeah, we'll put a link to, there's a meme that I know Fiona put together. I have, I remember putting it on my Instagram too. And so we'll put a link to that and to the research that she was connecting to um, when she made that meme. I think it's super helpful for this letter writer and for anyone listening for sure. And um, Haley, as a part of this podcast, we have something called the Food Peace Syllabus. And that is a kind of a syllabus like you would have had back in college where we have a list of everything like books and podcasts and videos or anything under the sun that we have found that further helps to cultivate a um, more positive relationship with food and body. Is there anything that you would like to add to it besides the study? Because we're definitely going to add that to it. But is there anything else that you would like to add to it? Yes. Oh, this this is such such a good resource, your, your syllabus. Um, whenever I am talking with clients about their provider and looking for a provider that's going to provide um, ethical care, there are a couple resources I'll, I'll point in the direction of. Um, Reagan Chastain has a post about what to say at the doctor's office. It's very well written if you're not familiar for some reason with Reagan Chastain and her work. Um, this post is wonderful for what to say at the doctor's office. And then also on Dr. Linda Bacon's website, she has um, a post, another blog post um, called Healthcare Providers Providing Sensitive Care for People of All Sizes. And this, again, is another, um, if you are a physician maybe listening, this would be great for you to read, or if you are just a listener, to take to your provider. Um, Both of these are great resources um, to help promote healthcare from a health at every size perspective. I love those. I feel like those are such smart things to just even print out and bring with you. I know lots of clients have done that. They'll just literally take it with them to the appointment. And, you know, it just gives a sense of security to help advocate and have the words in those moments. So thank you so much for those resources. And we'll be sure to add them to the Food Peace Syllabus. And if you would like a copy of the Food Peace Syllabus, you just need to go to juliedillonrd.com and put in your email address and we'll get it right to you. So I really appreciate your insight, Haley. This has been super helpful. And if someone is wanting to know more about your work, what's the, or where's the best place for them to go? Yes, thank you. Um, My website is a great home base for me, and that is inspirednutrition.com. Inspired is spelled with just an R-D at the end, like our credentials. And then I am everywhere on social media at... H Goodrich RD. Um, Instagram's probably my favorite, but I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. Um, that's where I hang out. I love your Instagram feed. I do. Thank you so much. <laughs> I feel like that's, <laughs> I feel like that's how I've gotten to know you. So um, we're already friends because of your Instagram. <laughs> so, I love your Instagram too. I was well, a fan for a while. <laughs> well, we're Instagram friends then. So um, I really appreciate your time and your expertise, and especially your compassion. I think um, you brought a lot of wisdom to this person's letter, and I know they're going to find it helpful. So thank you so much for your time, Haley. Thanks so much for having me on, Julie. So there you have it, letter writer. I hope the conversation that Haley and I had gives you some next steps on your food peace journey. Certainly, I hope your knee surgery goes well, and I hope that you keep in mind along the way that you're doing everything you can, you are actively pursuing health, and that you deserve to feel at home in your own skin today. I see food has written back, but before we get to that, 
This episode was brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace course. You can get on the waitlist by going to PCOSandFoodPeace.com. If you enjoyed today's episode of Love Food Podcast, I would love it if you could leave a rating review, share the episode, or subscribe. Doing any of these helps more people find the show and keeps the show growing. All right. I see food has written back. Let's go ahead and hear what food has to say. Until then, take care. Dear Frustrated with Body Size, we have come so far in our relationship. We used to be in so much conflict and it feels calmer now. With this calmness, we notice your discomfort. We see your displeasure with your body and your food choices. We can sense that you are holding yourself back from unconditional permission to enjoy food, its pleasure, and its ability to empower you. We also know this isn't your fault. Powerful people and culture are giving you the tools to stay disconnected. Consider adding support members to your team that will empower you to advocate for appropriate, more dignified health care. You don't need to focus on fixing your body or your food choices. All you need is more self-compassion to keep you moving along on your food peace journey. Love food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money.